1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Andy Rowe Show. We've all been going through lockdown and that takes a toll on our mental health, so we thought it would be a good idea to release our episode with psychotherapist, the best-selling author, Sarah Crosby. Sarah exploded on Instagram under the handle The Mind Geek after she started creating and posting mental health content with the aim to make mental health information accessible and interesting. And if you're looking for a book slammed with tips and tricks to help with your mental well-being, her book... Five Minute Therapy is out now and it is really good. Anyone I've recommended it to so far has loved it. And in this episode, Sarah is going to share some of those methods, some of those tips and tricks. I hope you enjoy the episode. Joining me now is a leading psychotherapist. She's the author of a brand new book called Five Minute Therapy. You may have seen her on Instagram going under the handle of The Mind Geek. Sarah Crosby, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here.
1: It's perfect timing because like, it's so many of us that are struggling with lockdown at the moment.
0: Mm, there's there's a lot uh, of anxiety in the air at the moment, so yeah, uh, the reaching out for mental health support is is definitely there right now.
1: Yeah, but you're busy. I've got a pretty good situation. I, I'm you know there's just two of us living here. We've got a house to ourselves. Wouldn't be going out. We're really doing much anyway. We might we're just missing out on the pub. But there's so many other people that are on terrible situations that are really battling with lockdown are there any exercises or is there anything that you'd give them or tell them or what's the first bit of advice that you give someone that is sort of struggling at the moment
0: i guess some of the the practical guidance um that i i usually hear coming out of my mouth uh in terms of getting through lockdown are, are things that i say to myself so you know um get support if you feel like what you're or how you're coping is is unhealthy. Uh, don't judge how you're coping. Uh, I think the first round of lockdowns, you know, there was a lot of emphasis on Zoom quizzes and banana bread and and TikTok oh and guys. whatnot. And i yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think a lot of people have uh, reached a, a saturation point with that. Uh, so don't judge, you know, how you're coping. Yeah. If you're not able to engage with people right now, if you need to mute the group chat, that's okay. I find it useful anyway, uh, it might not work for everyone, but writing down three things at the top of the day that I'd like to have done by the end of it. And it doesn't mean that I'll always get it done, but it gives me uh, a semblance of, of certainty in an otherwise uncertain uh, situation.
1: With your book, Five Minute Therapy, I've read it, it's great. Thank the you. one thing I'm struggling with around the book is mm. how I recommend it to someone. Because it's very hard <laughs> to recommend that book to someone without saying you need to go to therapy.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: How would you sell the book to someone? Like, how? It's my job to do that usually, but how would you do it? To how, how would you tell someone about the book and recommend that they go and have a read of it?
0: That's such a great question. And I, I guess what's coming back to me is, uh, a mentor of mine he was uh, we used to have to go to these groups they were called uh, process groups every week in our training so you'd have maybe 10 to 12 people sitting around in a group all trainee therapists you know whatever comes off comes up and you know nothing really leaves the group uh, jerry said you know stay away from suggestions and questions show you're impacted and he was talking about, you know, having a, a difficult conversation with someone around their mental health or, um, you know, if you're if you're concerned about someone who's struggling. Likewise, with the book, it's it's, a, it's such a good avenue to go down. You know, this is something that I have found useful. You know, what do you think about this? Um, it's sort of a, a, a soft uh, entry into uh, a discussion around mental health. So showing that we're impacted can mm. often be a, a way of, of connecting us. I
1: want to I want to work through some of the things that you talk about and mm. give anyone listening to this some tangible advice to take away afterwards. Uh, a, a little taster of the book. One of the things I found quite almost entertaining, was almost like you're reading about yourself at, at points. There was a, mm-hmm. the bit about attachment there's four types of attachment, and for the purpose of this podcast, let's apply these types of attachment to single people in okay. the dating game. Uh, there's no COVID, just normal mm-hmm. old school dating. Okay. Um, when I say old school, I say old school is in 2019 dating. Yeah. <laughs> Someone with anxious attachment, how do they typically behave?
0: Well, an anxious attachment, well, the hallmark of anxious attachment is a is a craving for intimacy. Um so we tend to hear the words clingy or or needy thrown Heard around before, when it comes yeah. to yeah when it comes to anxious attachment and i think i think feeling lost in our own company or needing i need a lot of reassurance to feel safe yeah. in this relationship fit better for people it's a bit more compassionate but if we have an anxious attachment we might hear ourselves say or think you know within relationships or within dating you know i love them more than they love me they're going to leave me have I done something wrong we might hear ourselves asking um quite frequently are you mad at me Uh you know why aren't you texting back so that was um if we go to classic case anxious attachment which we we usually aren't we're we're somewhere along the the spectrum of attachment our anxious attachment is it's formed in childhood uh, through the responsiveness of the parent through the nurturing and the and the playfulness that we we experience at an early age Uh, so it's originally formed there but then throughout uh, our lifetime we come into different experiences different situations that will affect how secure we feel um in uh, in ourselves and in our relationships with you know positive experiences causing us to feel more secure a negative experience obviously having the opposite effect
1: avoidant attachment like the commitment phobes the people that come across as always playing at cool during dating
0: kind yes. of yes you know how, how <laughs>
1: yeah. do you how do you break down those walls
0: it's a good question because I guess with avoidant attachment, I guess the trope there is, you know, the person who's mysterious. They're they're guarded. They're the closed book, um, and at the extreme end of things, you know, the commitment phobe. So they fear losing their autonomy and distance from others when there's uh, there's a risk, whether it's real or perceived, of of that happening. Uh, A person with avoidant attachment as well will often mistake imperfections uh, for red flags and feel overwhelmed by the needs of others. So and as as well as that, they'll have a hard time communicating what's going on for them. So the irony is we tend to see uh, anxious attachment and avoidant attachments together in relationships because each confirms the beliefs the other has about both the relationship and themselves. Mm. So a way of, of breaking down the walls is, well, uh, couples therapy is a is a great thing uh, for for many couples. Um, again, having a thorough understanding of what your attachment style is and communicating uh, with your partner. Often with an anxious avoidant pairing, the part that will they may struggle with is uh, conflict resolution. So the anxious will want to sort out things right now uh, in this moment we need to talk about, whereas the avoidant wants to, uh, Disengaged. they need to leave they need to take time
1: disorganized attachment that's a mixture of anxious and avoidant isn't it
0: it is yeah so it tends to be seen as a combination of the two which it is but it tends to be uh, slightly more volatile than that so most people will actually think that they're disorganized um, because mm. they can identify with both anxious tendencies and avoidant tendencies but Uh, it's usually not the case. We will display traits of all of the attachment styles, uh, but we'll always have a a predominant uh, style. And disorganized attachment tends to be uh, a result of early trauma. Um, So they'll display a combination of behaviors. It can be quite volatile. Uh, They'll struggle to uh, regulate emotions. And if we have uh, a disorganized attachment, we'll often have an unsteady sense of self. And we'll we'll deeply desire intimacy, but we'll find it difficult to trust others, we'll find it difficult to rely on others.
1: If you were to get past the attachment barrier and secure a date, advice you often get is just be yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How do you be yourself? It's quite a general kind of a comment, a bit of advice to give someone.
0: But I I think that is the spine really of the book you know because there is no one way of of just being ourselves we don't wake up one day and decide uh, today I'm going to be myself you know and it's a phrase that we hear a lot of and we're hearing it more you know uh, when I'm telling people you know I have a a podcast interview today oh just be yourself you'll be fine you know so we hear it in in meetings interviews and in uh, date settings and it will irk many of us particularly if we do struggle with our sense of self and we may do if you know uh, in childhood our individuality um, or our self-expression weren't encouraged if uh, we've experienced uh, abandonment if we're subjected to bullying or we don't fit the mold exactly of of what society wants of us and we might have an established sense of self early on and, and through our teen years but then as we uh, meander Uh, You know, we can lose that through through relationships, uh, through experiences of grief and trauma. Mm. So then becoming who we are is an ongoing process. And that's the beauty of therapy. You know, it's a Mm. safe place to to safely explore that. So something practical then to help our our concept of self along is to take a moment to ask yourself, you know, who did I need to be growing up? So who did I need to be in order to be accepted by my family, by friends? Uh, whatever the relationship Uh, who do I believe I need to be in my relationships now and it's worth taking some time to become aware of what those answers might be as well as that questioning what we believe the self to be so there's this mythical self that is um, you know perpetuated right now that you know uh, they're self-sufficient they get up at 5am they meditate for two hours the higher self they're aspirational they're inspirational so we're we're connecting um, to to who we are uh, every day. It, it can be as easy as picking the music that we like. You know, do I actually like this music, or am I am I listening to it because uh, an ex liked it, and I've just fallen into that habit? Um, so it it can be as simple as that. You know, mm-hmm. the self isn't uh, a means to an end. There's this notion that we discover we we play with who we are in our twenties. Uh, we find out who that person is we dig our heels in in our 30s and then that is who we are until the end of our days so it's a failure to be seen as uh we're still exploring it's a a mid or a quarter life crisis if if we're still unsure if we're still playing with life so is there something that you've always wanted to do that you haven't yet because Mm -hmm. you know you've uh you've passed go you know you don't get to um you don't get to explore anymore. You don't get to play with life anymore. So, is there a way of exploring this this thing that you wanted to do even a little?
1: It's interesting you talking about how you struggled with small talk
0: because
1: mm. mm-hmm. I hate I hate small talk. I, 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 find it, <laughs> I find it I find it exhausting, and I find it really yeah. naff, and I find it almost like disingenuous. Like I I don't find it enjoyable at all. Why is that? Like why why what did you, how did you get around that? Because you obviously mm. you have to go into situations like networking situations in everyday life everyone does
0: yeah well i i, I wonder you know uh, is it something that i i have overcome i think that there is still a discomfort around that but i think it's about lessening the emotional charge of that discomfort so previously when i was in a, a small talk situation my inner critic was so loud that it was uh you know, I couldn't speak, and it's something that I, I worked through in therapy um, with my own therapist at the time. And uh, to use her analogy, you know, I'm going to the other person's side of the court. You know, so I'm going outside of myself, uh, and I'm I'm looking at how am I being perceived. You know, do they like me? So how I how I worked with that uh, through the you know the help of, of therapy was to come back to my side of the court and to consider it as such. You know, I'm a visual learner, so it's it's uh, a very handy and helpful um, image for me. You know, so to come back to my side of the court, uh, so to speak, and, and ask myself, you know, do I like them? You know, who am I imagining that I have to be right now? So you're you know, judging am I them. imagining Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. Um, so instead of judging um, how this person might be judging me, which is ultimately just judging myself, you know, coming back to my side of the court, what do I think of this person? you know, rather than putting all of my uh, focus on how I'm coming across, you know, do I like them?
1: When you're on your side of the court and you're judging the other person on their side of the court, mm. how are you making sure that the talk is happening? Because you you can't just sit there and look at them and judge them. Obviously, you've, there's got to be some talk that still happens. How are you driving that aspect of it?
0: Mm. Well, I wonder, is it so much about judging them as, as listening? You know, so coming back to my side of the course you know, do I like what they're saying? What is it that they're talking about? You know, reminding myself that there is a conversation happening, and always connecting to the breath. You know, the, if there's, and that can sound a bit, um, a bit woolly or a bit glib. Um, but when we're in our heads so much, you know, we're we're uh, neglecting what's happening in our body, which is usually anxiety uh, that we're trying to distract ourselves from. So remembering that, you know, we have a, a body that's below the neck mm. and, uh, and connecting with that. You know, can I feel my feet on the floor? Can I listen to what is being said? Because this is one piece of me. You know, the inner critic is that one part of us that is uh hogging the mic as i as i say in the book you know we're we're multifaceted there's so many parts of who we are and this is one piece that is you know hogging uh, the limelight um so can i can i take a moment to to reconnect and remind myself that this is just one voice um out of of all of the the pieces that exist within me
1: i recently interviewed a, a young lady called Molly Hughes, I'm not sure if you've heard of her, Um, absolute legend. She, uh, youngest woman to climb both sides of Mount Everest, the youngest female to ski solo to the South Pole, while she was there, while she was on the South Pole, she got into a situation where there was an eight-day blizzard, so all she could see in front of her was a complete whiteout, all she could see in front of her was her compass for eight days. Mm -hmm. And there's no no one else to talk to. One of the things she did was positive affirmations, and she'd scream mm. them out to herself really loud. And and she said that they worked. You talk about it, and you talk about there being science behind that. Are you able mm-hmm. to tell me about that?
0: I, I recall uh, writing a, a piece around affirmations for skeptics because when we hear the word affirmation, it can it's tied to a lot of. Uh, different concepts right now you know it, it's taking on many different meanings you know uh, it's tied to the secret to manifesting uh, to if we believe something deep enough it'll come to fruition and my outlook is is different I believe affirmations bring a different perspective so they're opening up our minds to a different way of thinking, you know, a different narrative is, is being introduced into the mix. So it reminds us to bring conscious attention to this area of our lives. We want to change or improve. So the affirmation is good and and repeating the affirmation is good. Yeah. But it's also important that we're living the affirmation.
1: In the book, there's, there's a whole list of affirmations and mm. there's a couple that I pulled out because I think everyone has this issue where they question whether what they're doing in life and whether they're on the right path. Yeah. And by saying I am on the right path out loud, it does feel good. It does feel because yeah. you're constantly thinking, looking at other people's lives, no matter how successful you are, you're always going to be looking and judging other pe- people's lives. Right. There's actually actually science behind that about why that makes me feel good, isn't there?
0: There's something incredibly grounding about it, isn't there? Because we can get lost in those anxiety-laden thought spirals. And what we're reminding ourselves of is of something certain. You know, it's a it's a self-soothing technique. You know, so rather than snowballing with the anxiety, um with the the anxious spiral or or the thoughts that are, are are snowballing from from this piece of uncertainty, what is it that I can remind myself right now to take me out of that uh, fight or flight mode? You know, we 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 have a window of tolerance, and when we're above that window, we're into hyper arousal, which is fight or flight. Um, you know, anger, tears. When we're below that. Um, usually we're into uh, a state of depression uh, so it's bringing us back within our window of tolerance you know what is something that I can say to myself in this moment to, to offer myself some comfort so we're switching off from that hyper vigilance you know we're bringing ourselves um, back within uh, back within regulation
1: I've had a few SAS guys on here some SAS soldiers those guys spend a lot of time in highly stressful situations yeah. Obviously, like the most stressful situations, life and death stuff. What kind of things can they do? Like, w- would positive affirmations work in that situation? Is that something that could help in like a- alleviate stress in those positions?
0: I'm wondering being in uh, being in a position like that and how much energy you have to give to something like a positive affirmation. I think mm. uh, a positive affirmation is something that can support you know work that we're already doing but in a situation like that what i'm imagining is a lot of compartmentalization going on so there's a lot of stuff that i'm not going to allow myself to think about there's a lot of feelings that i'm going to park uh however for however long and if i get an opportunity to uh look at this at a later date then then i may do that Uh, I think it was uh, Anthony uh, Middleton that I I heard before speaking around um, you know not allowing the mind to go there and that's certainly a muscle that we uh, that we improve upon over time
1: because when you're in stressful situations is it true Mm. that your body parts of your body actually shut down that aren't essential
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the blood will be uh, will come away from the digestive system. Um, So it'll usually go to the extremities. And that's what we find when we're in fight or flight. You know, we are we're ready to move. We're ready to uh, we're ready to fight or we're ready to get the hell out of there.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One of the things I find that is becoming more and more apparent is, is the amount of time we're spending on our mobile phones and this is going to sound like a massive yawn or I'm gonna sound like an old person here but I'm guilty of it like, I'm bad like but I, I see it as well I'll see, I'll see my partner I'll see I'll see my uh, brothers I'll see them all doing the same thing even when there's mm-hmm. kids around like we're all guilty of like spending too much time on our mobile phones is, is that a mental issue that we've got or is like how do you get where does that come from that can't be good for our mental health.
0: Right now, you know particularly we're spending a lot of time um, on our phones, on our laptops. And there is a, a long-term effect of that. but I guess' we're, we're unaware of the effect anxiety and stress are, are having on our bodies. And most of us are more engaged you know with online with, with online work, with the online world uh, now more than ever. And with the mass move, you know from from working uh, working from home, And as a result of living through our laptops and our phones for for an extended period of time, for more than usual, we're spending a lot of time in our minds. Um, We're spending a lot of time with our thoughts and in our heads. And then we're unaware of the increase of tension in our bodies and uh, the tension and stress that our bodies are carrying. As well as that, being on our phones too much, being on our laptops too much, we're missing chances to connect with people in real time. So we're missing what we call bids uh, for connection. So, you know, uh, if you're living with your partner and they walk into the room, um, you know, oh, look at, at this thing in the magazine or oh, look at this thing that I bought today. And if we're on our phone, we are we're missing that. We're missing that moment to connect Massively. with our partner. We're, we're missing moments to connect with people around us. You know, so we're prioritizing our online life for uh, offline uh, connection. And as well as that, uh, back to that fight or flight mode, you know, since March of last year, we've been bombarded with information about the fate of the world. So many of us are in a state of near constant vigilance. Um, so. Part of getting around that then is, is learning to reconnect with our bodies. This doesn't mean, you know, taking about out of silence or surrendering all of our, our worldly possessions. But it does mean just taking a step back from the, the screen uh, a couple of times a day and giving yourself space to move, uh, giving yourself space to stretch, just get a glass of water. Very simple things that we can write off, but mm-hmm. we'll reap the rewards of, you know, both in in the short term and and in the long term.
1: During lockdown you can't go out with your mates anyway, but like mm. usually, even with the best intentions, I might go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'm saying if someone's asked me what I'm up to on the weekend, I'm having a quiet weekend, I'm not doing anything. And I'll I can stick to that. And it gets to Thursday, I'm still sticking to it. I get a text, do you want a beer? Straight away I'm like, Yeah, sweet, let's go. Like I'm i I've got the worst rubber arm ever. <laughs> You talk about boundaries. How can I put boundaries in place to stop myself going out for a beer? Or you know, yeah. how, can I, how can I say no to my mates if they're asking me out for a beer?
0: <laughs> well, it's it's a good question because it doesn't sound like you want to say no. You know, it sounds like you, you want to go for that beer. And I guess boundaries uh, come into play when we actually want to say no, but, but we're saying yes because of, you know, X, Y, and Z.
1: Oh, so it's my fault. Uh, so I
0: think... <laughs> They're your words, not mine. But I I think, you know, working with what's stopping you. So often uh, clients will come in to therapy and they'll say, you know, uh, this is what I want to get better at. I know it means having to say, you know, X, Y and Z, um, but I don't want to do that. So you tell me another way of getting the same results without me having to do something that's uncomfortable. So uh, the interesting thing is we already know the behavior. We already know what it is we need to do, but we're looking for a way of sidestepping that. So I think, um, you know, working with what it is that's stopping you. So so the word no and and the ramifications of saying no. So, and I, I think in terms of boundaries, you know, one of the main issues that comes up with setting boundaries, whether it's with family, friends, partners, whatever the relationship is dealing with boundary guilt. So feeling that we can't say no because it'll upset someone or they'll be off with us or, or whatever. So it's important to remind ourselves that firstly, you know, boundaries are about improving the health of our relationship. So, you know, think about it. If, if we keep keep saying yes, you know, when we want to say no, and one day our friend says no to something that we ask of them, we're going to be sitting there with a lot of resentment and a lot yeah. of, of frustration. So yeah. the the fallout from a no is rarely as bad as you think it will be.
1: That leads me into my next question because a lot of people will be in living situations, uh, you know, they'll be in house share situations, or like flatmates, that kind of thing. Um, during lockdown, they're spending a lot of time with each other and getting annoyed with their flatmates. You know, someone might not be taking the rubbish out, someone might not be doing their dishes, but instead of saying something about it you never do because you're scared of that uh you don't want that confrontation but you end up growing resentful is that the same thing
0: mm, mm-hmm. well it is because uh, if we are you know doing most of the the labour within the household you know whatever our living situation is it is understandable that over time we're going to be feeling resentful we're going to be feeling anger uh, towards this person if anything it's an opportunity for us to have a conversation and I'm a big fan of you know having uncomfortable conversations Um, and that is is usually one of them so can I express to this person whoever it is that I'm living with uh, that I would prefer the division of labour within the household to be more equal and that sounds quite robotic me mm. saying it in that way but you know taking the time to to find your own words around that giving yourself permission to find the language and if it comes out wrong it comes out wrong you know there's it's all learning so yeah allowing yourself to to find whatever words fit for your situation
1: it can be like I guess a pretty stressful time anyway and there's a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. and anger and stuff that 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 comes in these times at the moment um yeah there's grounding practices that you talk about Mm -hmm. can you can you kind of Mm -hmm. explain what they are and give me an idea of what a good grounding exercise might be to deal with those feelings
0: yeah well well there's there's many different ones and and what will work for one person won't work for another so the the principle around grounding practices is bringing us from the there and then of whatever it is that uh, we might be experiencing. Um, you know, if we're triggered in a certain situation or if we're feeling uh, a lot of anxiety, you know, it's taking us away from that and, and bringing us into the present. So we're not going to the past or we're not going to the future. We're, we're coming into to what is and what we know uh, to be true. So a, a simple grounding practice that uh, we can implement uh, at every time is the the four 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 breath technique. So it's it's simply placing your feet on the ground, straightening your back and taking an inhale for four seconds, holding the breath for four seconds and then exhaling for four seconds. And we repeat that cycle three more times and then we observe how we're feeling. So sometimes we can get lost in the thought of this feeling is going to snowball, it's going to remain static and if we take... Um, you know some moments to to repeat that cycle uh we can notice the the emotional charge of the situation uh starting to dissipate usually
1: Is that kind of meditation a little bit
0: mm, well it can be there's there's something quite grounding about um about uh, around meditation in itself you know it's it's connecting with the present moment it's meditation is slightly different in that we're noticing the thoughts that are, are coming in um and we're we're not attaching to them but we're allowing them to drift by um whereas with the breathing technique uh, our soul focus is going to to our breath
1: there's sensory techniques which i find really really interesting Mm. The um, sight practices, sound practices, scent, taste, touch, mm-hmm. tapping.
0: Yeah, so I think it's about finding whatever one works for you, you yeah. know. And I, I think it's it's important to preface it by saying that there will be grounding techniques and practices that will be unsuitable for people, you know, depending on on their history, depending on the experiences they've had. So sometimes being in the body will be something that is quite traumatic for people. Um, and and if that is the case, you know the best thing that we can do in that situation is to reach out for mm. for uh, professional guidance and professional support.
1: Can you give me a quick example of um, of a sight practice, a, a sight technique? Mm. Because obviously mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to do sound because someone's listening to us at the moment. They're listening to yeah. us, so <laughs> if we could do sight, that would be great.
0: Yeah. So again, it's about feeling your feet on the floor, uh, having a straight spine, and. Taking some time to look to your left for two seconds or so. The the timing isn't really that important. And naming three things that you can see just in your mind. And then coming back and looking over the right shoulder and naming three things that you can see. And repeating this two more times. So it's about orientating ourselves. So we're coming into the space that we're in, and they, again, it can it may seem a bit trivial or a bit glib, but it's about grounding ourselves in, yeah. in the present moment.
1: Yeah, there's lots of lots of good techniques in the book. Um, you know, there's sound, mm. scent, taste, mm. touch, and tapping. I think with the with the taste one, I I feel like that will be quite useful for when I'm having uh, family dinners to try and mm. uh, try and keep myself calm. <laughs> Something that people I feel we all talk about doing but trying to find a way to reach out to a mate you know you you, if you see someone that is struggling with their mental health they may be a friend they may be someone you work with whatever that is if you can see they're going through a tough time it's easier said than done to ask someone if they're okay what would you say is the best way of going about that
0: it's it's not about reinventing the wheel here you know i think when we're when we're gearing up to have a conversation with someone who we care about you know especially if it is a sensitive conversation it's normal to be nervous you know about saying the wrong thing or or uh, being afraid of of putting our foot in it so there's no right or wrong way to go about checking on someone who's having a hard time with their mental health and well-being but it's important that we choose a way that feels comfortable for us as much as possible. So the, I guess the first step around that would be to ask, you know, if they want to talk about things with you first. It might be that they don't want to, and that's OK, too. You know, maybe um, you're just not the right person for them to talk to, or maybe they're not ready. Um, but you can help them uh, seek additional support that would better suit them and um, if they're open to hearing it. Because the, the next step then would be to listen. You know, silence can seem awkward in the beginning and, and maybe it will be, but it, it gives us a chance to think about what's happening for both of us in that situation. So if you're finding it difficult to understand what it is the other person is talking about, it's okay then to ask them, you know, to explain further. Uh, like I said earlier on, um, you know, showing that we're impacted, showing that we're curious and that we're we're concerned. Support is is the most important thing that we can offer, and it's up to us to determine what level of kind of uh, of healthy support uh, we can give. So that might be that might be emotional. It could be practical support in terms of, of meals or, or helping organize appointments, um, or both. And if they refuse, uh, you know, help help the person maybe explore their options or how they can uh, begin to feel a bit better. I think ultimately it comes back to minding our mind in the process. So while we want to be there for other people, there there will also be people who tend to be the rescuers or or tend to be the strong one or or the therapist, you know, to the friend group. And ultimately, you know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is helping from a place of expectation or or resentment, you know, truly helping? Uh, and many of us will need additional support um, in order to keep our own mental health well um, while supporting others. So reaching out, you know, whether it's to a therapist or, or a trusted friend um, are among the strongest things that we can do to ensure that we're we're offering other people uh, genuine support and minding our own mind in, in the process.
1: I just want to finish off with a couple of top tips. Mm. So the best tips to get through lockdown...
0: Get support if you think how you're coping is uh, unhealthy or damaging. Don't judge how you cope. Create a routine and have some compassion for what it is that you're going through right now. You know, we're having to adapt at a, a much faster rate than than we're used to, uh, than any of us can truly adapt to.
1: Best tips to get through not being able to see your mates?
0: Focus on the ways that you can connect Um, ideally have a project and if it is possible allow that project to be spread uh, across uh, with with different mates and 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 meet online and and discuss that further Uh, set boundaries around uh, social media time Um, so prioritizing uh, those online connections uh, rather than the online vortex of uh, of instagram or facebook or whatever it is
1: Best tips for people that are missing being able to play sports?
0: Sport, I think in itself is you know a, a victim of, of COVID-19 because it's a it's a creative space, you know, for, for human expression and and making uh, meaning of our lives. So perhaps now during the absence of, of sports, we'll appreciate the more meaningful aspects of it when it returns. So we, we can't change. The current state of the world but we can control you know what we do so sports won't be missing forever I think that's um, something to come back to so until they are back up and running though um you know re old matches and um, whether it's re-reading the sports biographies that we love re-listening to old podcasts uh, they do a great job of creating a semblance of connection with that sport again and that's actually happening a lot now. You know, there's a lot, even outside of sport, there's a lot of re-watching, re-reading and there's a certainty in it. You know, there is a comfort in knowing the outcome and, you know, maybe that's what we all need right now is um, is a comfort blanket.
1: <laughs> Sarah Crosby, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciated it.
0: Ah, Thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: If you want to know more about Sarah, follow her on Instagram, just search The Mind Geek and make sure you buy a book. It's called 5 Minute Therapy. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and if you like this interview, it'd be amazing if you left us a review and tell us what you thought.